Are you a progressive Christian? What in the world is that? Well, join us today as we tackle this topic and examine just what a progressive Christian is and whether or not progressive Christianity is biblical. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Keith Crosby Out of My Mind. This is Podcast 038, Podcast 38, where we have a biblical conversation about some of the crazy subjects and challenges facing you and the church in this age in which we live. So join us over the next 20 minutes or so as we provide you a bird's-eye view perspective of a complex topic confronting our culture, the church, and you as we apply God's Word to make sense of it all. And at the end of the podcast, in case you're interested in digging deeper, we'll provide you with additional resources on our podcast research page. In the meantime, let's get started. All right. So, Keith, uh, progressive Christians, progressive Christianity. I think it's a term that um, we've all probably heard used, uh, especially more and more recently. Um, but maybe to explain what exactly progressive a progressive Christian is and, and why should it even matter to us? Well, Mark, this is indeed a question for our time, because we hear a lot about Christ, progressive Christianity these days. We hear politicians talk about their faith, even though they are in favor of abortion, or they even hold peculiar ideas about gender identity or positions that are entirely inconsistent with the Bible. They describe themselves as people of faith, and they even quote Bible verses. Two examples these days are Vice President Kamala Harris and President Joe Biden. And we have a sound clip here. I want you to listen to what they have to say. First, we have Vice President Harris, and then we have President Biden. When we think about justice, let's also remember all the prophets spoke about justice. They spoke about it, Proverbs 31.9, speak up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice. And for me, my religion is just an enormous sense of solace. I go to Mass and I say the Rosary. I find it to be incredibly comforting. And Kierkegaard said, faith sees best in the dark. Now, these two individuals are what some would describe as progressive Christians. But there are regular people who aren't nearly as high profile who make statements and hold positions that are completely inconsistent with Christianity, but insist that they are progressive Christians. Okay, so I think that's a great example of some people, even high-profile people, that are progressive Christians. But what is like the definition? How, how are we going to define progressive Christians? Okay, Mark, well, to answer this question, we first have to understand and define what a progressive is, because this term predates the idea of progressive Christianity. What does the term progressive refer to? Yeah, that's, I think that's a great place to start. And so, so what is a progressive? Well, progressivism is a political philosophy and ideology. It's a worldview that came out of the Enlightenment. And what it does is it elevates science and reason almost to godhood. It looks at humanity as perfectible. It looks at the human condition as perfectible. And it almost treats man as if he's evolving into godhood. There's this belief that we can rebuild society and perfect humanity. And uh, it's almost like a post-millennial theology in that we're going to make the world perfect so Christ can return. And in this uh, worldview, salvation isn't personal. It's not spiritual. It's a policy issue. 
it's uh it's an external thing it's sort of like community salvation and you'll hear this term sometime in some of the dead and dying denominations so progressivism uh, is the idea that we can externally shape lives and communities through policy to make them perfect, to make them some sort of like nirvana. Now, in the early 20th century, uh, progressivism was an odd mixture of uh, peculiar and often competing uh, ideologies. It was tied to eugenics, like Planned Parenthood, who were going to eliminate some of the uh, less uh, desirable races, and the Women's Temperance League, who wanted to remove drinking, they brought about prohibition. They were Christians. So you had these ungodly people who were at their heart uh, kind of like racist, like Margaret Sanger, who wanted to make public health better by thinning out the human herd. And you had the Women's Temperance Movement who wanted to take alcohol and alcoholism off the table. Now, eventually, these uh, two ideologies clashed and divided. And so progressivism continued to morph and to promote more of a secular public worldview, which had less tolerance for uh, spiritual or Christian worldviews. Again, it's an evolutionary ideology where society through policies transforms the world. The individual is changed from the outside in through sometimes coercive government policies or community policies propagated through institutions of education that indoctrinate rather than educate. And you're seeing this today on college campuses and in high schools and junior highs and even in uh, primary schools with this influx of critical theory. Yeah, I can totally see kind of where where the problem is eventually going to come is, is who is going to decide what's right. Somebody's got to decide that, right? Right you are. There you have it. Who decides? Is it the herd, the tribe, a dominant tribe, an elite who or what decides? And this is where progressivism collides with theism, with the belief in God, particularly with uh, Christianity or Judaism or even Islam, because these are religions of the book where a transcendent God defines morality. Now, I'm going to just jettison the discussion of Islam and Judaism right now and focus on Christianity because that is the one true religion of the one true God. Progressivism is rooted in atheism and secular humanism. These two go hand in hand. They're two sides of the same coin, where man is supreme, where man is sovereign, where knowledge is the key. Knowledge to humankind is like the Holy Spirit is to Christianity. It empowers, it transforms, it sanctifies. And this is all based in a theory that emerged out of what we now call cultural Marxism and its offspring or grandchild critical theory. And what happens is you basically break down the world, you break down society into a competition between uh, competing interests, and that's where you get today the oppressor versus the oppressed. It's an entire worldview that lacks God. It is an absent God, an atheistic worldview. And so to stop the oppressor, to stop oppression, to make society perfect, we have to change minds and lives in order to build a utopia and if necessary, we do that through coercion. That's the idea behind progressivism, kind of a heaven-on-earth scenario. And you'll see progressive Christians sort of use that language. They'll talk about bringing the kingdom of God to earth, preparing the earth, making it ready for Jesus to return. They're going to make the world Christian 
or make the world perfect. Wow, that sounds like it really could go awry quite easily. And I, I probably know the answer to this, but uh, but I'll ask it anyway. Uh, has this ever been tried before? It has been tried repeatedly, Mark. Uh, there have been countless attempts to create a utopia. The Spartans tried it, you know, in ancient Sparta, but in more current times, let's talk about the, the last three or 300 years or so, there's been uh, a number of significant attempts, and each and every time it broke totalitarian because they could not build the nirvana they wanted. They could not build the paradise, the secular paradise they wanted. They eventually had to go about the business of eliminating people who were not like-minded. You see that in 1789 with the French Revolution. You see that later on with the Russian Revolution in 1917. You see that with National Socialism in Germany prior to World War II. There's a point where the socialists in Germany, the National Socialists, we know them as Nazis, heralded the death of capitalism. And you see this in Mao's China and the Cultural Revolution in 1949. You see it in the Cambodian genocide in the 70s and 80s with the killing fields. Let's not forget North Korea, Cuba, Venezuela. This progressivism always breaks totalitarian. It always persecutes people of faith, and it always sort of devolves into the uh, tyranny of the masses, the tyranny of the mob. Okay, so now we can kind of see what progressivism is and how that philosophy plays in. But now, you know, let's turn back a little bit towards progressive Christianity and what that is. Okay, so the question is, what has this got to do with progressive Christianity? Everything. Sadly, our culture, particularly, I hate to say it this way, younger people these days have little or no knowledge of history or the recent past. They're coming out of the educational establishment, which is spending more time revising history to fit this oppressor-oppressed mindset, and so they are inclined to progressive ideas. They want to help people. But they are steeped in progressive ideas. Like what kind of progressive ideas? Well, there's the whole abortion thing. You can help people out of poverty by helping them abort children that are going to be holding them back. They're going to be putting a drain on the tax system, a drain on on their lives so that they can't make themselves better. You have gender issues. You have the idea of confusing social change with salvation. Salvation becomes a collective thing, not a personal thing, not a spiritual thing. It's all dressed up in God language, but what you see is less and less a reliance, less and less respect, reverence for the Word of God, and therefore ignorance of God's will. And they begin to minimize objective truth in favor of feelings or sentiments. And they want to do good things. And the end kind of justifies the means because they mean well. And failing to understand that real change comes from within, beginning with Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, there's a de-emphasis on personal morality in some sense. That's how they get to the end justifies the means. They fail to understand sin and the human condition. They fail to understand that human beings are sinful and will abuse authority, and they look at change as coming through policy. And we've used these words before, the polis, policy, politics. Uh, They look at the community, the polis, the Greek term, to make policy, rules and laws, enacted by way of politics, and they impose their will on others. The standard of truth is 
this worldview, this secular worldview, it's not God or his word. It's subjective, not objective. It's a man-centered, not a God-centered worldview. And this is where there's a collision between the Christian faith and progressivism, where policy and secular worldview or political movements or politics and the Christian faith collide is over the view of mankind, the view of society, and the view of what that society's greatest need is. Individual salvation, one soul at a time, transformed by the message of Jesus Christ. And these transformed souls begin to add up in true Christianity, and they bring about change like the abolition of slavery in England or the United States. But in progressive Christianity, it begins to default and decay more into a works salvation thing. You are fixing people and the world by fixing politics, institutions, and transformation is imposed externally. There is no transformation within by the power of the Holy Spirit. There are policies that are imposed on people to make them behave, to cause them to conform in their thinking and in their living, and this is where it always breaks totalitarian. And let me explain that a little bit more. You take your, if there's such a thing, your garden run-of-the-mill garden variety dictator. He or she looks at outward behavior. You just need to comply with what they want, give them what they want, and they'll leave you alone. Totalitarianism is based on a worldview and an ideology that all things, your thought life, your personal life, your activities, and the society are a package deal, and you cannot separate them into the private realm and the public realm. Therefore, they want to control how you think, how you live, and what you believe, and that's where you get the idea of thought crimes or hate crimes, crimes against the herd, crimes against the state. Okay, so I thought we were talking about Christianity, though. Well, we are, and here's the rub. A progressive Christian is a contradiction or should be a contradiction in terms. How can you believe that human beings created in the image and likeness of God are precious and yet support murdering unborn babies or even give that murder a pass? It's all about fixing society. The babies become expendable. How do you deny sin, sin like gender bending, homosexuality? How can you as a Christian believe that skin color or pigmentation somehow makes some races irredeemable and unforgivable, which is the whole critical justice, critical theory thing? How can you hold an individual for sins that he didn't commit, but maybe his ancestors did? That's not the way God works. We talked about that in Ezekiel 18. The sins of the father belong to the father. The sins of the son belong to him. He will not hold, God will not hold the son accountable for the sins of the father if the son is doing righteousness. But that goes against progressive Christianity, critical theory, and cultural Marxism. Okay, so what do you say to those people who will suggest um, or even insist that progressive Christians help the poor and they help the oppressed and they do a lot of good things? Well, that's the, the frustrating part of it, Mark, because in some sense they're right to say this. And I want to be clear on this. I want to be clear on progressive Christianity and critical theory along these lines. Critical theory, critical race theory, critical justice, if it has accomplished anything of value... It has elevated the conversation about racism and the awareness of the sin and sins of racism, and that's good. The problem is its prescriptions are all wrong, and its worldview 
is satanic. And if the notion of progressive Christianity has accomplished anything good, it is the need to help people. We are, to some extent, our brother's keeper. But here is where both systems and both worldviews totally fail to deliver on their objectives, goals, and promises. And in so doing, they do incalculable damage to people. And here's where it, it all comes down to this, Mark, Mark 8.36. And what does Mark 8.36 say? All right, that's a good verse to, to lead us kind of into this conversation of what the Bible says about all of this. And so uh, Mark 8.36, uh, it says, uh, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And it goes on to say, And what will a man or a woman give in exchange for their soul? They've forgotten the gospel that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. They leave out the gospel. They leave out salvation and emphasize the temporal. You see, in the end, these systems are not based on the wisdom that comes from above that James talks about, you know, from the Father of lights. It talks, it's based on the wisdom that comes from below, wisdom that is earthly, natural, and demonic, a wisdom that is ultimately a system of thought or epistemology that is limited to the five senses. It's not supernatural, it's secular, and it's opposed to God, and that makes it demonic. So what good is progressive Christianity if it only looks to the temporal needs of human beings because it is connected to an atheistic worldview that allows it to overlook the oppression of abortion? that allows it to tolerate canceling and marginalization of those who aren't sufficiently woke. I mean, what good is it as a thought process or a worldview or an ideology, and I hesitate to say a theology, when it aligns itself with those who are just not unbelievers, but those opposed to God? Remember 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be bound together with unbelievers. And it goes on to say, what fellowship has light with darkness? What partnership has Christ with Bilal, with Christ with Satan? In the end... Progressive Christianity and its desire to do good works and good works alone gets, becomes the old powerless social gospel of the dead and dying mainline denominations. And as such, it emphasizes the here and now and loses sight of eternity. And it becomes ultimately that which is earthly, natural, and demonic, which is no Christianity at all. Because you can't serve two masters, the world and God. And you can't hold an atheistic worldview in tension with a Christian worldview. Sooner or later, a real Christian has to stop making excuses and repent. And as God says in 2 Corinthians 6, come out from among them, and he has to reject progressive Christianity. Okay, so I think just to be clear, are you saying that a progressive Christian is the same thing as a non-Christian, or are you saying that they're unsaved? Well, Mark, I'm not saying that they're all unsaved, but just as you know, people often ask the question, can a, Mormon, is, can a Mormon make it into heaven? A bad Mormon can, but a good Mormon can't because he believes the wrong theology. But there are bad Mormons who really don't understand Mormonism, but they put their trust in Christ, and they'll find grace and eternal relationship with Jesus Christ, just like bad Catholics. A good Catholic believes in faith plus works. A bad Catholic puts her trust in Christ and doesn't embrace all the dogma and doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church. A bad progressive Christian can be saved because he, he trusts Christ. He may not have been, or she may not have been, thoroughly discipled. They may not have a good grasp of Christianity, but they have put their faith in Christ and they believe in faith alone and Christ alone for salvation. 
But if they're not careful, they end up like Lot living at the gates of Sodom and Gomorrah. And something's got to give sooner or later. And usually it's their witness, integrity, or their faith. And we know how things ended for Lot and his family. And it did not end well at all. And so it is necessary for a progressive Christian to repent and to turn away from this mindset, this worldview that is completely incompatible with the Christian faith and fully give themselves over to service of Christ if, in fact, they are a Christian. Or it's incumbent upon them at some point to repent and turn to Christ for the first time for real. Well, I think that's enough for today, Mark. Uh, Thanks for joining us, everyone. If you'd like additional resources, you can go to www.gracetoliveradio.org and hit the resource button. If you have questions, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at keith at hillside.org, and I'll try to answer within 24 hours. If you'd like to learn more about Hillside Church, you can visit us at www.hillside.org forward slash services. And we have services in person at 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11 a.m. every Sunday. In the meantime, whatever your podcast platform, give us a good rating. Give us a five-star rating. Share us with your friends. Help us expand this ministry. We release this podcast every Wednesday. We hope you'll join us next time. This is Keith Crosby with Mark Stickler. God bless you and keep you.